Hello everyone, and this is episode 4 of season 2 of Going Beyond Salvation. And this is your host, Jess Robinson. And this is not going to be a very long episode today. I am filming this current, or recording this currently in a basin where I work at. And I have a school board meeting in a little bit. So, but generally what, what happened in the daily reading we've kind of talked about before. And so I'm just going to kind of highlight some things other than, you know, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about Psalm 30. So in the book of Leviticus in the daily reading, what ended up happening, what we're seeing is the Lord is giving personal instruction on hygiene you know, and so that's how far the Lord was going. It wasn't just, you know, a set of rules. He was giving them hygiene because the other countries and other peoples around them did not know about hygiene. And so that is what is essentially happening in Leviticus. Now, in part of the reading, we go into the Day of Atonement, and I'm actually going to reserve talking about the Day of Atonement for the next podcast to go over that. And so essentially what's going on here is he's giving, you know, hygiene for when there's a discharge, when there's sexual relations, even with a woman's monthly period, because they didn't have you know, women didn't have pads and stuff back then and tampons. So, you know, they had to have that, those kind of instructions and, and how to be set apart and, and holy for the Lord. So that's pretty much the book of Leviticus. And so we're, we're going to go into Psalm 30 here and just kind of, it's interesting because it's a, it's written by David. And it was for the dedication of the temple. Now, David didn't build the temple, but he was preparing for this temple. He was not allowed to build the temple. And we'll explain why in, further in the daily reading. But he could not build the temple, but he still prepared for it. He prepared his son because he was so passionate about the Lord and the Lord having a dwelling place in Jerusalem. And so he ends up, you know, this is one of the things he ends up preparing this psalm for the dedication of the temple, which is interesting because we'll actually probably come back to the psalm because you're going to see kind of correlation between Solomon's prayer when he dedicates the temple to this. And so, and I just want to highlight some of the things in Psalm 30. He tells the saints to, to sing to the Lord and praise his holy name. And he gives this description of God that God's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And it's just amazing when you, when you read this, that yes, the Lord's anger only lasts for a moment. You know, he's slow to anger, but he's abounding in love. You know, it doesn't say that God doesn't have anger. He has a righteous anger when he sees, you know, thing, you know, sins against him and, and uh, injustice and all of that, you know, and when the enemy is attacking his people, you know, his children. And so, you know, his anger only lasts, but his anger only lasts for a moment, especially when somebody has a repentant heart. 
you know, that anger subsides. And, but his favor lasts a lifetime, especially when you have a relationship with the Lord and you're just worshiping him and living for him. His favor lasts forever. And, and then I just love the weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And a lot of worship songs use this, this part of the psalm. And it's just amazing because yes, you know, when we're going through trials and tribulations, it's only, it shows that there's only a certain amount of time that we go through that and that there's rejoicing in the end. You know, we don't, you know, no matter how hard it is, we can rejoice because it's not forever, you know, so we can rejoice in that. And then continuing on in the psalm, you know, he talks about when he felt secure, you know, he said that he's not going to be shaken. And then it goes on a little bit that when you hid, when the Lord hid his face, he was dismayed. And it's kind of a warning to us because secure, when we rely on prosperity, you know, and we think that it's by our own strength, that we're in our own intelligence or you know, our, we rely on our finances and our, our income and our bank account. When we're relying on those material things instead of God, we're just, we're going to end up being dismayed. We're going to be discouraged and disappointed. And so that really, you know, spoke to me that we really shouldn't be relying on, on our own and it's a warning to us, you know, that, that we should always be relying on God for everything. And so, you know, and continuing on and, you know, he, he ends with, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And that's the greatest thing in our relationship when we come into a relationship with the Lord, there's this transformation where, you know, we go, in, you know, from being dead to alive, you know, we, we turn from wailing to dancing, you know, I've heard people that struggle with depression, they went from depression to having complete joy in the Lord, people who lived with fear had, were in complete peace, so that's the great thing about a relationship with the Lord. And that's generally what we can have with the Lord when we worship Him. That we just have that assurance that, you know, it's not just, you know, you accept the Lord and nothing happens. There's always this transformation. And there's a continued transformation in our relationship with the Lord. And that's just what's so great about this relationship is it continues to develop. It's just like when you're in a marriage, you know, that relationship continues to deepen as, as you go through the years together and, and how you treated each other at the beginning is going to be a little bit different as you go on in that marriage. But there's a, you know, a, a deep closeness and it gets better. It gets better each year, you know, as you get married. And it's just the same way with a relationship with the Lord. And so that's pretty much it for Psalm 30 that I wanted to talk about. And 
so we go into Mark chapter 3. And I'm not really going to go over detail for detail, but we see he goes into a synagogue. And it was actually like I was researching this. And based on the setup, you know, Christ would have stood on a raised platform. And it's actually called a bema, which when we get into prophecy and stuff, we talk about the bema seat of Christ. You know, the bema seat that we're going to, us believers are going to, are, are going to deal with. And... So then the man with the withered hand would have been sitting in the aisles just below and in front of Christ. And so he was called up. And the thing about it is that I want to emphasize here was, you know, as I emphasized in the, in, in the book of Matthew, when we go on through that, the, the Pharisees considered any type of healing as work and that it was forbidden. But what Christ was reminding them was that this miracle occurs on the Sabbath day and it was God that does it. So how could God be also opposed to healing on the Sabbath? How could that be? If he heals on the Sabbath, how could he be opposed to it? And so their thinking was illogical at that point. They associated it with work and it's not work. I actually listened to an evangelist and who has a healing ministry and he describes it like it's like a vacation when they they have like these healings and stuff. It's in these um, meetings in, in, a, in a different country but that I won't list for, for protection purposes but he he was saying, you know, it's just, he said, it's like a vacation. You're actually, you think you're working, but you just feel so refreshed after it's all done. And it, and so, which is true. It's, and you know, and what is the Lord moving? There's such a refreshment. It It's not work because it's the Lord doing it. You're just being the vessel and praying over the person. So they, they really... They didn't like it as well because it was causing, we see this, the people starting to look to, at Christ's miracles, and they were starting to question the Pharisees' doctrine, and some were starting to believe in Christ's teaching. And so that was what was happening. And at this point, they're starting to go, okay, we're going to, Mark lists this at, at as the point that they are are seeking to destroy and kill Christ. And there's numerous times we see that Christ with withdraw withdraws from the crowd. He goes into hiding and is to rest and to remove himself from these threats. He he knows when to walk away. And I think as believers too we can we could take a lesson in that that as believers you know, we have to learn to remove ourselves in certain situations, you know, especially, you know, for rest, a time to rest and to pray. And there's also certain situations that we are going to come across, certain confrontations and everything that happens that we have to learn to walk away and and not and remove ourselves but generally, I just want to talk about that. Yes, as Christians, we also need, and believers, we we need to rest as well, and and take time to pray, you know, 
And if you are so busy, and I just challenge you, look at your schedule and see if you are taking time to rest and just be in, in, in God's word and prayer. And if you're not, you need to take that time. It's not just Sunday. You need to do it every single day. Have some time to do it because if you don't, you're going to run yourself to the ground and you're going to get burnt and your compassion level is going to go down and you'll actually have a nervous breakdown. So I just challenge you to do that as well. And so continuing on, you know, we see, I talked about Christ preaching on the boat because of his, it was allowing his, his voice to vibrate off the water. And it was like a natural um, projector. It was like a natural microphone, but continuing on, it talks about, you know, and if you look in the King James version in, in chapter three, where people are being healed, it says healed of plagues in the King James version. And that Greek word for plague is actually, um, it, it has the idea of a whip and it's figuratively meaning a disease that abuses and harms a person's body. And it's, you know, it's something that gnaws at a person keeping him or her whipped and always down. So that's something that I wanted to share. And, and then we see this reaction of the unclean spirits. They identify Christ as the son of God. And that's the great thing, you know, that authority has been transferred to us in Jesus name, you know, this, the spirits have to flee. And it's so interesting, you know, when you go to healing revivals and, you know, just different like worship nights and stuff, and you start seeing the spirit move, it's just like, it's really cool, you know, and amazing to see stuff like that. And we have that authority and it just doesn't have to be pastors and all of that. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can pray over somebody to be healed and see a, a miraculous miracle, you know, and be a vessel. And so that's mainly what I wanted to talk about. You know, he does talk about the, the kingdom divided against itself and the blasphemy of, of, of the spirit. I'm not going to go over that on this podcast because I've talked about it in the book of Matthew. Feel free to go through um, past podcasts to talk about that or to, to hear about that. You know, it's just, it's something that, yeah, you know, a, a kingdom cannot be divided against, you know, divided against itself cannot stand. You know, I wrote um, a, a column this week about unity that, you know, we can't live divided because being divided, it, nothing's going to work. You have to be unified under, under one cause. And so, you know, it's, and so that's what Jesus was talking about that, you know, Satan's kingdom can't be divided against itself. If he's casting out demons, you know, for, for, you know, the son of, of, of Satan, you know, <laughs> That, that doesn't work. And so, and that essentially he was calling out the, the religious leaders that they were blaspheming the spirit. And we have to, as believers, be careful about that, that we don't blaspheme the spirit when he's working, especially in church services, whatever, don't blaspheme him. You know, don't attribute something to the devil 
when it's not. So that's just essentially what I wanted to share. And just, yeah, feel free to go through uh, the podcasts and stuff to in where I talk about the book of Matthew and we get to that section because I go into that more in depth. And so that's essentially it for today's episode. Uh, For the next episode, we're going to do Leviticus chapter 16, verse 11 through chapter 18, verse 23, Psalm 31, verses 1 through 8, Proverbs 5, verses 8 through 10, and Mark chapter 3, verse 28 through chapter 4, verse 20. And I'll end in a prayer. And I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, Lord. And we just thank you that that Lord, that we have peace and rest in you, Lord God. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for what you did on the cross for us and and that by your stripes we are healed. We thank you for the blood that cleanses us of our sins. That Lord, I just thank you, God, that, that you're just such an amazing God and that, Lord, we can come to you for rest. That Lord, you're not religion, it's a relationship and that it deepens even more as we get to know you. Lord, I pray that every day that we just get into your word, that we would just get to know you more and more each day. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit just to fall upon us as we read your word and and just reveal, you know, what what you want for our lives and, and what you need us to surrender, God. Lord, I just pray that today, Lord, continue to move and that Lord we just give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus holy name amen have a great day you guys